Hello and welcome to Mind Body Sleep, the podcast for anyone out there who wants to understand and recover from insomnia using a holistic perspective. I'm Beth Kendall, your host. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. So glad to be here. Today, we are talking fundamentals, or at least one of the fundamentals of my approach to insomnia. But first, I have to tell you, because this is really big news, (laughs) that I have joined the Peloton revolution. If you're not familiar with Peloton. It is a company that sells exercise equipment. And I bought one of their stationary bikes a while back. It's quite nice. It has this big screen attached to it that you can join classes on with all of these great instructors without ever having to leave your home, which is pretty amazing when you live in the Arctic of Minnesota. But this is newsworthy for a couple of reasons. The first is I've never really been a big biking fan. It's just never really been my thing. After I retired from my ballet career, I took up running and that became a huge passion for me in so many ways. I used to say that running was like my exercise, coffee, Prozac and red wine all wrapped into one (laughs) until I crashed with Lyme disease in my early 40s. And after I recovered from that, running wasn't really a viable option anymore, at least long distances. So I had to find another thing, right? Some sort of cardio workout that I could do. So I ordered this Peloton bike a while back and I was pretty skeptical that I would like it, but it had this really good refund policy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And now I love my Peloton. Like I have joined the Peloton cult completely and I absolutely love it, even though it has to sit in my living room. So it's pretty ugly to look at. <laughs> I really wish they made it in white. But the whole reason I'm telling you this is that not only have I become a biking person and a semi-morning person, but I am also working out early as well. Now, I realize that to most people, this would not be big news, but in my world and in my life, This is something that I never thought would happen because nights were always such a struggle for me. Even when I was in a good stretch of sleep, I was still just outrageously groggy and out of it and didn't feel particularly functional until somewhere around noon. So the fact that I'm recording this podcast at 9.30 in the morning and have already done my workout kind of blows my mind. And I really did not force or try to make this happen. It just naturally evolved on its own, probably because I wasn't trying to force anything. I always secretly wanted to be more of a morning person. But once I finally accepted and even embraced that I was not a morning person, of course, this is exactly when I turned into a morning person. (laughs) So go figure. 
But if there's anyone out there feeling like I was wondering if you're ever not going to feel like a zombie in the morning, stay open to what's possible because I still can't believe this is my life after 42 years of insomnia. Okay, so back to our original programming. Today, I want to go deeper into how I view insomnia, what it is and how it happens. In episode one, I talked about my three core philosophies. You can go back and listen to those, but to give you a recap, the first one is insomnia is based in survival. Second, sleep is a passive process. And lastly, our brains are changeable. These three philosophies inform everything that I do, but today I'm going to focus on the first one, which is how and why I believe insomnia is based in survival. Now, do make sure to listen until the very end because there are some important caveats that I see my students get stuck on with this information, and I want to help you avoid that if possible. Okay, so you've probably heard me talk about insomnia in a couple of different ways. Sometimes I call it a fear of not sleeping or a fear of being awake at night, a learned fear response, a conditioned fear response, a habituated fear response, a conditioned arousal response. All of these accurately represent my views but they don't really get to the heart of what's causing the conditioned hyperarousal response, which is a perceived threat. The brain is interpreting danger in the form of wakefulness, so it creates hyperarousal, which paradoxically keeps us awake. So even though wakefulness in and of itself isn't inherently unsafe, the brain has linked this with danger. Now, the way this usually happens is some sort of life circumstance occurs that causes some sleep disruption. And this can be from anything, an illness, coming off a medication, a stressful life event, becoming a new mom. There are so many things that can trigger that initial sleep disruption. Maybe someone experiences a single sleepless night, but they've never been through something like that before. So it becomes a very emotionally charged event. And during this period of disruption, something in our relationship to sleep starts to change. We suddenly become worried about it or concerned that something's wrong. A little seed of fear gets planted in the mind about our own ability to sleep. And we unintentionally start engaging with it from a place of effort versus effortlessness. Now, many people assume it's the event that caused their insomnia, but it's actually our response to the event or how we engage with it that creates the initial fear of not sleeping. And this makes a lot of sense because what we tend to do is problem solve sleep like we would all of our other life problems, right? I was so good 
at creating insomnia because I'm such a good problem solver. We start researching sleep. We implement all the right things, all the sleep hygiene. We start following biohackers. Maybe we start going to doctors or other practitioners. We get acupuncture. We take all the supplements. Maybe we take medication. And all the while, this is confirming the brain's perception that wakefulness is a threat. Slowly, wakefulness gets linked with danger. So then anytime the potential threat of not sleeping comes on the horizon, the brain kicks into hyperarousal to alert you to that possibility. We get stuck in a perceived danger loop where the more we don't sleep, the more we try to sleep, and the more the brain truly believes we're in danger. As the link between not sleeping and danger gets stronger over time, hyperarousal becomes conditioned to happen automatically. That's why you get that super weird experience of feeling sleepy on the couch and then wide awake the minute you hit the pillow. It's the perceived danger response kicking in on behalf of your amazing, diligent brain. Now, this is important to understand because it's hard to break out of this loop if you don't understand why you're in it. Your brain will want to believe that there's something very physically broken within you, and it was that initial sleep disruption that changed everything. And something did change, but it has nothing to do with your body's ability to sleep. It has to do with the addition of this perceived danger response. Of course, do always check things out with your doctor because there are very real physical causes of chronic sleep disruption, but I'm talking about chronic insomnia, which I view as a fear or anxiety of not sleeping. Now, the idea of conditioned threat responses isn't really new. I was first introduced to it through Annie Hopper's book, Wired for Healing, which was a great book. Annie Hopper is the founder of DNRS, which stands for Dynamic Neural Retraining System. I then started reading a lot of Dr. John Sarno's work on TMS, which stands for the mind-body syndrome, and how it relates to chronic pain. And then I got into Dr. Joe Dispenza's books, and he talks about changing these automatic responses in an entirely different way. And then, of course, the main focus of my master's was self-directed neuroplasticity. So these ideas aren't really novel. They just haven't been applied to insomnia yet. And I suspect they'll gain a lot more traction in the coming decade as they're already becoming much more accepted in the mainstream around addressing chronic pain. Okay, so how do we break out of this loop? Again, in order to break out of it, you have to understand that it's perceived danger at play. This understanding will create a whole new awareness of the problem and how you engage with it. Many people try to address insomnia by fixing sleep directly. And 
This typically backfires because once we lose our faith in whatever external thing we're using or the external thing is eclipsed by hyperarousal, we're back to square one, dealing with the same automatic fear response. So I don't focus on making sleep happen. It's a passive process anyway. I work with the hyperarousal response that's getting in the way of sleep happening. The purpose of hyperarousal in the context of insomnia is to protect us from something the brain perceives as dangerous. But the key word here is perceives. It feels dangerous because your brain is sending alarm bells, but being awake at night or waking up at night isn't inherently dangerous. Now, sometimes I see folks struggle with this word perceived because they're dealing with the very tangible challenges associated with insomnia. It's a tough thing to go through, and I am in no way denying or diminishing those things. But when I say perceived, I'm talking more about the brain's interpretation of a moment based on the link it's created. You can think of a fear of wakefulness almost like you would a fear of heights. If someone has a fear of heights and they're on the top floor of a building, their brains aren't thinking about what is happening. Their brains are going straight to what could happen. So they're feeling fear based on the past or the future, not the present moment where there's no actual danger present. And this is normal. We want our brains to work this way, but it's also why it's important to understand what your brain is doing in the here and now, because the now is where we have the ability to effect change and create a new experience around what the brain perceives as dangerous. Now, a lot of times my students grasp this concept really well, but then there's this tendency for effort to shift in a new direction. So maybe there's less effort towards fixing sleep directly, but then it becomes, okay, let's hurry up and show the brain that everything is fine so I can sleep again. But survival responses really don't work like that. It's not an overnight process. We shift a fear through understanding, awareness, consistency, and small incremental shifts over time. And we wouldn't want our safety systems to work any other way because we are literally creating new neural pathways in the brain. And isn't it just remarkable <laughs> that we have the ability to do this? We are no longer at the mercy of our reptilian brains. We have the potential to unlearn these fears, which never ceases to amaze me. So that wraps up today's episode on perceived danger. Thanks a lot for being here. I'm Beth Kendall, and this is the Mind Body Sleep Podcast. Bye for now. 
Thanks for being here today. If you love what you heard on today's episode, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to the podcast. And if you need more support with your sleep, join me in the Mind Body Sleep Mentorship. This three-month one-on-one program will transform your relationship with sleep so you can get back to living the life that you love, free from the fear of not sleeping. Head on over to bethkendall.com for more details. I'll see you next time.